Today on Wisconsin Veterans Forward. We continue our interview. This is part two of three, our interview with Josh Delaney, who is the co-founder of Fab CBD. We're talking about the realities of the hemp, CBD, and cannabis industry, or industries, rather. The things that you need to know. If you missed part one, uh, go back and listen. We'll wait for you. We'll wait right here. We won't move a muscle. We won't say a word. We won't make eye contact. We will just stand still and silently staring at the ground until you return. Because we want to make sure that we're all on the same page before we move forward. So go listen to part one. If you already did, take my arm. Let's do this thing. You are listening to Wisconsin Veterans Forward, Wisconsin's premier audio resource for veterans, military families, veteran-owned, and veteran-friendly businesses. Wisconsin Veterans Forward is brought to you by the Wisconsin Veterans Chamber of Commerce at wiveteranschamber.org. Do you think, and this is purely speculative, do you think it'll legalize in Wisconsin or nationally? And if so, timeline, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen. Uh, I don't, it, it may not happen in every single state. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I could see that happening. I don't think Wisconsin will be one of those states. Uh, I think Wisconsin will be a state that'll come around. Um, I, I'm not very deep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very deep or understanding of, uh, a lot of like the Wisconsin politics is just not something that I've, I've ever gravitated, gravitated towards, um, information wise. Uh, so I, I don't, I can't speak exactly to, uh, how far they are, but again, I do have very close contacts that are very close in the cannabis space that are very likely to get their hands on licenses when they do come around. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think it's years, uh, you know, I don't know how many years, but my, the best answer I can give is it's still years, whether it's, two to four or three to five. I, I, you know, I'm not as plugged in to the political side of it, uh, to know more clear of an answer, but I definitely think it's, it's still at minimum a couple of years away at minimum, even the idea of it, you know what I mean? Probably closer to that three to five. Um, you know, so again, anything that you're interested in doing, you're starting now to potentially be ready for it then. You know, your, your competitors in the space have selected which part of the space they want to be in, uh, you know, already, and they're getting ready for it now, you know, so much so to where sometimes I meet and hear people and I'm like, wow, you are, you know, you are really betting a good amount of your life on the <laughs> fact that something might happen three years from now. Uh, and you don't even know if you're, you're doing it right, so to speak. Right. Well, I, I you know, talking about, about barriers, you know, not only do you have to have the upfront capital, but you have to have enough to allow you to operate until that happens. And, you know, the definition of entrepreneurship is assuming risk and you are assuming a big risk, especially if you're in the THC space, because there's no guarantee if or when it will legalize. And so we had a good question yep. uh, from uh, from a viewer. Sean uh, says, do you think Wisconsin legislature's decision to use a lower THC threshold of 0.3% compared to the federal minimum of 0.6% is hindering farmers desire to grow hemp in the state. Uh, no, no. Uh, I mean, 
on a large scale, if you're selling anything kind of remotely serious to products that would get on anybody's radar or you're you're making a legitimate business, uh, 0.3% is all anyone cares about. That's all, you know, that's all the regulatory systems care about. That's all the FDA cares about um, in terms of labeling and compliance and things like that. Uh, so, no, I don't think that's hindering farmers from doing uh, anything in the space right now. Uh, quite honestly, there's 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 more people, there's more supply than there is demand. Uh, you know, I think people mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a lot bigger in the CBD space uh, than they than it really ended up being. You know, I think you had you had people just growing hemp and spending money on growing hemp, thinking that you know, well, someone's going to buy it, and I kind of always sit around and go, who who's who's buying your hemp? Who is you know, I'm the guys that are selling it. I'm I'm the front of the house. So I'm the one selling a lot of it. And there's, you know, there's lines of people growing it. And there's companies that have, uh, you know, cre- you know, in each niche, you've got a you've got a set of companies that are, you know, that are spawning out of that niche. And so within the middle of the space, you have processing and extraction. So you have guys, you know, growing too much hemp thinking that, hey, my little hemp farm, you know, would sell this to CBD guys because CBD is going so crazy. And then you have the processor and extracting companies that take all that bulk material, flour and plant and are turning that into extracts and oils and isolates and things. Uh, and they have more than they know what to do with, right? They have buckets and buckets and buckets of, uh, you know, cannabis hemp extract and, you know, nowhere to send it, you know, nowhere to make it. What are you, what are you turning it into? What are you making it into? Uh, who is turning it into a CBD product or, you know, another type of product that is using it. So there is, we now have way more supply than we need demand, which also creates risk, you know, within the industry is Mm. what part of that bottleneck are you going to get involved in, uh, you know, for now, but no, I don't think to the question, I don't think that that matters from a regulation standpoint. I think it's either, you know, it's either on the, it's either hemp derived and not getting you high at all. And it doesn't matter what level that THC is at. Or we're talking, you know, marijuana, THC, um, and and we're full cannabis. I, do, you know, I don't think anything in the in the in between is is going to matter or has mattered to anybody. That's a good question, Sean. Thank you so much for asking. If anybody else has questions, throw them out there. Uh, so, what do you think? Let's say, let's assume three years from now, THC is legal in the state of Wisconsin. What is that going to do? Do you think, or maybe even nationwide? What is that going to do to the CBD industry? I think the majority of CBD customers are not necessarily um, THC cannabis customers. Mm. I think your average CBD customer is more of your um, like Tylenol user, so to speak. Um, Got it. You know what I mean? They're 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 more of your everyday people, your your everyday supplemental user of something, uh, rather than you know THC is. I, I don't think people stumble upon. Uh, marijuana derived THC products and go, Oh yeah. Okay. I think this can work for me. I think that's a very small number of people. Mm. CBD is still like that. CBD. My grandmother can use it here and there. My mom uses it here and there. You know what I mean? My, anybody I talk to can, can kind of throw a CBD product into their lifestyle or into their routine very easily. And I think that's more acceptable and and how that works on a, on a marijuana derived THC front. uh, I don't think that's the case. So I think overall, from a consumption standpoint, the number of people that consume a CBD product will not be heavily affected 
if a state, uh, i.e. Wisconsin, goes legal, I don't think that will necessarily affect the volume of CBD products that are also used in the state. I do, however, think it'll have a massive impact on the retail storefront of the cannabis industry. So if you own a CBD store, once marijuana-derived THC stores are allowed, I do think the CBD retail store front local business will be heavily affected. Mm. I think the traffic there will go down, um, you know, and the traffic to purchase CBD products online will remain. Or you think they'll start selling it at Walmart? Yeah. I mean, there's already some really big box stores, uh, such as Walgreens, CVS, um, mm-hmm. like Sam's clubs and things like that, that already yeah. sell CBD. Uh, oh, but wow, okay. I'm a big, I'm a big advocate. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can buy You can't buy the run of the mill brands, um, from target or anything, but they're in, they're in some big box retailers. Uh, and there's some of my like direct competitors that are in there. So they're good products. You know, there's good products that are in those, mm-hmm. those bigger retail stores. However, I think it's kind of the same thing. You're either the type of person that's good, that goes in to buy that type of product. You know what I mean? You need, you need to walk into a store to feel it, touch it, see it. Uh, or you're someone that can just get it online. You know, I, I feel like I'm like a mix of both, but with the majority, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm ordering that online. Mm. You know, I'll go into a store once in a while, but like, you know, once life catches up after one or two times of going into a store, I'm, I'm jumping on the internet and I'm ordering it on the internet and then I'm just getting in the habit of that. Right. Um, right. Yep. You know, but uh, but I but I still think that that part of the industry will be will be affected heavily as well. And again, if you're not ready for it, a lot of guys opening stores, um, you know, saying, hey, we're going to keep our store open for years in hopes that when THC comes around, you know, we'll have a location for it. And, you know, that's where I, you know, a lot of the times I tell people, I'm like, have you been to a THC dispensary lately? They're not small stores. No, you no, know, they're not. They're not converted, you know, they're not mom and pop cafes converted into marijuana stores. That is not what a dispensary looks like. You so know, if somebody right wants now. to open a CBD shop in hopes of someday being set up to transition to THC, that's folly is what you're saying. I'm not saying you can't do it or that the, the regulations in Wisconsin won't like allow for it. But typically, you know, I, I, I pose it in the form of the question, like, have you been to a dispensary lately? I'm, you know. Uh, go to a go to a dispensary uh, down in Chicago. Uh, I recently, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went to the dispensary on the border of Janesville. Um, I think it's Janesville below or the Beloit, you know, going towards mm-hmm. Beloit, Janesville, mm-hmm. right on the border there. Uh, it's called Sunnyside. Uh, you know, it was it was all Wisconsin license plates, to be honest, which was which was funny. But I mean, it's a ten thousand square foot place. These are not small places. I mean, you know, you have. That store, I've been told, does about a quarter million dollars a day. Uh, now, don't quote me on that. I, that was that was from a third party source. Whoa! Um, but you know, our, our business does a hundred thousand plus dollars a day. Uh, so it's a lot of money. I mean, but in a storefront, you know, what I mean, that's on the internet. I don't, I don't have to take in right. those people. You know what I mean? There's, uh, you know, you're talking a storefront that can handle the traffic of five hundred to 1500 bodies a day walking through it and purchasing 200 to 600 dollars in product right. you know with taxes and whatnot that is a high volume high logistical uh passing of of a of a um you know of a very audited product you know what i mean like that you don't just convert your 1500 square foot 
cafe style shop into a THC store, you know? So it's another, you know, part of the risk again, is it, is, is, does that mean that you can't, you're not going to be able to do it? No. Does that mean that I'm, you know, I'm not a politician that runs that of any way, but again, I go, you know, have you been into a dispensary? I mean, they're not, they're not small bomb and pop operations. They're brand new builds. Usually, you know, they're large, there's 20 registers, you know, and, and I think Wisconsin will be very similar to that when it happens. You know, I think, I think they're, you're going to need a, a large facility right. to manage when Wisconsin goes legal. So in the preparing for that, uh, that we are doing right now, I don't think is a folly, but I think it is not exactly how it's going to be. You know, I don't right. think that's, I don't think that's what you're going to need. So we had a question from Tensai, which is really a, a good one. You had mentioned supply and demand. Uh, where or when or if <clears throat> do you think the demand will outpace the supply issue? And I think maybe specifically they're talking about hemp. And I would add, what about industrial hemp? We've heard about all these miracle things that hemp can do. You would think the demand would be higher. Are we just kind of behind the curve and there's still more opportunity there? Yeah, I I don't think I don't think the demand will catch up. I think the demand was 2019 and 2020 were absolutely astronomical hemp days. Like the volume of cost, like I doubled during COVID. Mm. Like the the day COVID was official and nobody was going to work the CBD space along with many random spaces, random, you know, niche markets, uh, just double, tripled, quadrupled. Um, you know, I felt bad talking to people from being in the cannabis industry of, and in the hemp space. Oh, Hey, how you doing? I, you know, I lost my job and this isn't going well. I'm not going to work and the kids are home and it's crazy. And life Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. life is over as we know it. And I was sitting there printing money, uh, You know, I felt, you know, it's just like I feel terrible telling people, but the CBD space, you know, had absolutely skyrocketed 19 to 20. Uh, and that bubble, I believe, is over. And so it has leveled itself out now. It is no longer this big bubble. Uh, it's no longer do I think can you go make a CBD product and slap a label on it and like make a legitimate business anymore out of nowhere. I don't think that is the case. Mm. Um, again, can you go do it? Yes, you can. You know what I mean? I got involved in in the time where there were the bigger companies, right? There weren't as many companies, but there were still the bigger ones. And I cracked it, you know, I cracked into those big boy markets, you know? Um, and, uh, so it's possible, but, you know, being realistic about it. So I think the demand will no longer match the supply. You have way more hemp than you need in terms of what we're consuming way more. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have a Rolodex of people, on the growing processing and extraction side of the business, meaning they have fl- they have plant material, they have then, um, you know, chemical mixing materials, and then they have, uh, you know, bulk finished, as I call blended uh, hemp extract that can be used in a cosmetic or can be used in product X, Y, or Z. Uh, those people in my Rolodex have more product than they know what to do with. Uh, they can't get rid of it. And that is a part of what's already happening. It's already happened uh, a lot. And then it slowed down. And then it's happening again, um, is that you have extreme price demands now. 
where what I pay for that product uh, is less than half of what I paid for it in 18. Mm. That is that is astronomically fast. I've been in the supplement space, you know, for for 17 years, almost 15 years. So ingredients, right? It's it's like a commodities game. When certain ingredients, when protein, you know, gets more expensive, when certain things get more expensive, your your product obviously can fluctuate. To have a industry, an entire industry, and cost of good uh, fluctuate 100 to 300 percent up and down over a two to three year period is absolutely insane. You know, that's like <laughs> yeah. what we're seeing with yeah. lumber prices right now, right? Last summer, you know, to to you know, a, a pallet of, of, uh, you know, two by fours was a thousand bucks. And now that same, uh, you know, rig of two by fours is $4,000 people, you know, we're blowing our minds. It's astronomical. That's what's happened in the CBD space. So what I used to pay $7,000 for, I can pay $2,000 for. So that has wrung out a lot of the local farmers and the local businesses that mm. can't afford to give their product away for that much money, but it's because there's too much demand. And so somebody has got to get rid of it. So me as as someone in the space that can make one phone call and say, listen, I'm giving you $4,000 a kilo of blended oil. I want it for 2000 now, or I'm, I'm going to go buy it from these other guys that have more oil than they know what to do with, but right. I want a particular quality and I want a particular standard. So I will get, you know, those prices to cut. And sometimes it's not good for us because then people that are bigger than us, which is what's happening, uh, can now get their product for even cheaper and so now you're, you're, the CBD space is already forced to kind of play the price game a little bit. And that, I hate the price game personally. I don't like playing the price match game. I'm not a, I'm not a discount retail brand guy. Mm. Um, I, like to be, I like to be right in the middle, sometimes even a little bit pricier than most brands. Um, but we create a much better experience. And so people right. like it. Um, you know, they'll pay 5 to $10 more for one of my products because they just over the long term of their relationship with us, they get it in so many different ways. They get the value back in so many different ways, um, whether that's rewards programs, sales we run, uh, just the longevity of being a customer, it works out in their favor price-wise rather than maybe a, just a one-time purchase. But you're already starting to see that in just three years of CBD, you saw a 100 to 300% price swing on, on cost of goods and raw materials that a lot of small businesses just can't keep up with. I mean, that's crazy. And right. then, nor should they, right? That's that's hard to expect from a lot of people that are in the industry. If you're not big enough, it's hard to expect them to play ball with that, which is also, again, a big part of the risk of, hey, I know, you know, a lot of people got into the space and it's a lot of money down the drain because nobody's buying it. You know, who's going to buy that from you? Who's going to take that from you if you mm -hmm. can't match the price or keep up with the, you know, keep up with the demand at a certain price, you know, in that sense. Well, then, so you have... Since, you know, you have a much higher supply, a much lower demand, you know, economics 101 on the curve there, yep. um, it drives the prices down. And then in that case, only the large actors who can, uh, who can leverage economies of scale and move a lot of product uh, can survive. There's a little econ 101, just threw a little bit of economics at you. I may have just completed an economics class and was like really eager to actually leverage some of that knowledge uh, and make it sound like I knew what I was talking about, which I think I did there at the end. Supply, demand, economies of scale. Mm. Econ 101, Econ 100.
Econ 92 and a half. All right, see you in the next episode. Hey, don't play the music. Thank over you for me. joining us on Wisconsin Veterans Forward. Who does this guy think Brought he is? To you talking by the over Wisconsin me? Veterans Chamber of Commerce. Now that's unbelievable. Please visit us at wiveteranschamber.org. Read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and follow us across all social media platforms. I can't believe I got played off. How dare you tell me to wrap it up? <laughs>